0: Thanks to Honeybook for supporting the Apple Bits XL podcast. If you run your own business, you're used to doing it all and trust me, I know what that's all about being indie. But if you're struggling to get through your to-do list, Honeybook can help. Go to honeybook.com/applebits for 50% off your first year. That's honeybook.com/applebits. All right, let's get to the show. What's up, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the Apple Bits XL. Brian Song here. You're a host with the most, doing the most all day, every day. It's the good and bad inside the world of Apple. Before we get things started, let's cover two points of business because we got a special show today for you. First of all, be a part of the show, use the voice memo app, record it, and then send it away applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's applebits with a Z. Your questions, your thoughts, I know you all have some out there. But then also, look, if you want to support this show, patreon.com slash Tong starts at $2 a month, $5, dollars i am so grateful for Aria Help. It allows me to keep on doing what I'm doing. So that's how you can be a part of the show. Also, a completely ad-free version of the show. So you won't have to hear any of that stuff. But I'm going to get that out of the way because this week I got an extra special guest. All right, Tyler Florence, Food Network Star great food truck race all all the things that you can think of guess what not only is a he big in the food world he's a huge tech fan we've been following each other we've got mutual respect and love for each other so he's like hey let's let's do something he's on the podcast There's so much to talk about. I also want to give you a heads up. The audio in the first part of it is a little rough, so we stopped it down and then picked it up so that it would get a whole lot cleaner. So just stick with it. It's worth it. We talk about so much everything from how the culinary food world is changing, thanks to Tech, his thoughts on Beyond Meat and Impossible Burger, and so much more. So let's just get right to the interview. All right, everybody. Um, I'm just going to put it out there. We got a special, special guest today in the house. Tyler Florence. Now, I'm going to say that name one more time. Tyler Florence. Uh, Maybe you've heard of him. Food Network. All the amazing shows he's done. Obviously, people that aren't familiar with your work. Tyler, you know, I know this is like, you might recognize me from such shows as, but maybe you could educate some people that may not have heard of you and some of the things that you're doing right now.
1: Well, Brian. First of all, I just want to say thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of what you're working on right now, and I, and I love your hustle. And I love how, like, you know, this like Bay Area, you know, thing that we're we're, we're supporting each other. And, and I, I just I I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to talk to you. Um, it's been 23 years um, on Food Network. It's been it's been wild. I mean, I'm a I'm a classically trained chef. Um, I went to culinary school in Charleston, South Carolina. I went to uh, Johnson and Wales University. And uh, South Carolina is my home state. I grew up there, and uh, and then after culinary school, I stuck around and I got a, a business degree in hotel restaurant management. And then I I got an, I got an honorary doctorate in 2005. Wow! So my uh, my alma mater's been been such a, a a lovely champion of what I'm working on, and and vice versa. I just love Johnson and Wales. It's such a great culinary school. And uh, then I moved to New York City in uh, in 1994. The same year that, that Biggie blew up the world, I uh, moved <laughs> to Brooklyn. Good and, timing. Uh, lived in, yeah, lived in, lived in Brooklyn. Uh, it was such a, a dynamic art, artistic scene uh, in the mid-'90s in Brooklyn, too. It was, just, it was just so great. And I lived in Brooklyn for, got eight or nine years, and then moved to Manhattan. And I lived uh, right on the cusp in between Chinatown and Little Italy. Wow. Like, literally, if you walked out of my front door and you took two steps to the right, you were in Little Italy, and two steps to the left, you were in Chinatown. And uh, really enjoyed that, and I lived there for about maybe three three years, and then moved to uh, this really groovy pad in the uh, the very fashionable Lower East Side, <laughs> and I lived there for about uh, maybe two or three years. And I met my wife um, at the Sundance Film Festival. Tolan, I met her um, in uh, in 2004. Yeah, yeah, we, we met at the Sundance Film Festival in Utah, and then she was living in New York, and I was living in New York, and this we started date. And she's from Oregon. So, so when we were expecting our first child together, um, it 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 was this thing where I, you know, I'd been in New York City for almost fifteen years, like fourteen years and some change, and uh, I was just ready for something new. I I really just, I I think life is short. I think life is for living. I think every decade or so, you should do something that feels kind of dangerous. You should just, just up, you know, just do something completely new and fresh and different. So we moved to California and uh, moved to from Manhattan to like Mill Valley and. And, uh, in Marin County. And then we lived there for about five years. And now we have this like really big, beautiful house in, in uh, Corte Madeira, um, yeah. which is like the next exit up. We, uh, we, we, this stunning Bernard Maybach home came on the property, came on the list, list about six years ago. And, uh, and it's one of one. Uh, it's it's a spectacular old house that we're just super super proud of, and you know, kind of taking care of that and redoing it. But um, the life is great, man. Life, life is amazing. We're you know, I've got 16 cookbooks. Um,
0: Jeez, that's crazy, dude.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're, <laughs> we're, we're going to start another one, and uh, you know, I've got Wayfair Tavern in San Francisco, and uh, we have um, Tyler Fork, Tyler Fort's Fresh, which is like my little chicken shop at, at SFO and Terminal Two. And we're about to do a new steakhouse with the Gold State Warriors, uh, which is really exciting. Um, I know you're a big basketball fan. Obviously. Oh, yeah. And so we're, we're, uh, that new steakhouse is going to open up in the spring. And, um, you know, we, we paint out a bunch of programming with Food Network. We have a production company now that's like making movies and television. And also we're doing a lot of advertising campaigns for companies. And, and you know, life is interesting. We're just really, really busy. And, uh, and I'm, I'm just loving it, man.
0: Yeah, you know, first of all, that's why I'm so thankful. You know, for people that are listening, for you to take your time out to be on the show. And the the crazy thing about this is, Tyler and I basically connected via the world wide web that is Twitter, right? I mean, that's yeah. it's it's an amazing platform. And Tyler, Tyler, I mean, you're the kind of one that volunteered, like, hey, I've been watching your stuff forever, and then I'm like, oh, damn, like, I'm a not only am I a tech fan, I'm a foodie fan. And for the record, this is I remember I think when we first started tweeting each other, I had gone to Wayfair Tavern many times, and that. Fried chicken is ridiculous. And I know there's the devil eggs are bomb too, but that fried chicken yeah. like changed my life when I went there. All right. So at this point, Tyler, he just absolutely dives into how they make the fried chicken every step of the way. The audio was a little, br- it broke up a little bit. So I'm going to put that at the end of the show, but I wanted to jump ahead where we stopped it down, it got a little cleaner, got a lot cleaner, and we talked about everything from the preparation of that chicken with sous vide, right? How that is changing things, how consumers, with some of you are like, what is sous vide? We're gonna talk about that, also his involvement in content creation and his thoughts on Beyond Meat and Impossible Burger. So let's just jump ahead right now. I mean, the dish is amazing. Thanks for like breaking it down and getting geeky with it. The thing that you mentioned in here was sous vide and that instantly perked my ears up because there's still a lot of people that I know that have no idea what sous vide is. And now we've started to see how technology from the kitchen, from professional kitchens has come to the consumer. So can you kind of, I mean, I'm I'm fine with you again, breaking it down, breaking down a little bit about what sous vide is and why it's important. Like I have one and it has changed my life. It does take time to prep the food, but it it's worth it. So can you kind of talk about sous vide and maybe how it surprised you, how it's kind of really Jumped into the home. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So,
1: you know, the molecular gastronomy movement um, back in like, you know, the mid 2000s to like 2000, I don't know, 2010, 2012, right? Um, it was, and in, in, in for the most part, it's coming out of Spain, um, you know, through Il and uh, Fran, Adria. Like, so it was sort of like the rootstock of this, you know, scientific level of thinking about food. Um, And and so so the sous vide thing is probably what survived all that. Mm. Because everything else, you know, I I think is kind of like – Become passe in a way. Like if you, if you take a look at like, you know, crumbs and foams and <laughs> things, they're really more texture than anything else. But I think it's like substantial from a from a production standpoint. I think sous vide kind of survived all of that as as the one that you know that 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 moment. And even like Ferran Adria didn't invent that. I mean, it was invented in the 1960s, but it was designed as as an industrial food. Technique to you know mass produce uh, um, just just proteins right like like chicken that you would get in a in a salad uh, uh, on an airplane for example right so um, you know the, the beautiful thing about that it, it's basically like just low and slow cooking in a really really controlled sterilized way right so uh, if, if you think about barbecue right so barbecue is You know, is this magical mixture of time and temperature where you take a ridiculously rough cut of brisket, right, (laughs) that you can't really even do a lot with necessarily, right, but but if you smoke it low and slow – hover temperature around two twenty five, two fifty, right, nice, really good, clean white oak, right? And 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 you cook that for, you know, six, seven hours, sometimes even longer. Like it, it goes from cooked and then and then then magic happens when it reaches about 185 degrees. It turns into blubber, right? Mm-hmm. But then but then you take it out and you let it rest and you cut into it. Like like you literally all the fat stays in place. All the moisture is there, and so so that that's kind of the same idea. Sous vide and, and barbecue kind of like live in the same world of like low and slow cooking. One is one sort of like technical and easy to reproduce. Like if you don't have like big huge kettle smokers in a restaurant, then we uh, it's not Austin Texas, right? Um, but uh, so the sous vide thing you can kind of produce the same texture and base flavor, but barbecue and sous vide kind of live shoulder to shoulder from a time and temperature and technique standpoint. Mm -hmm. So that's always the best way to describe it. Yeah. So if you can, if you can think through what low and slow brisket is like, it's that same thing you can do with pork, same thing you do with chicken, same thing you do with other tough cuts, like, um, like, uh, beef short rib and has, this comes succulent and soft and really delicious.
0: And sous vide, has it always been this hot water bath method for people that are curious about this? Um, you know, you put this heating element into like a a tub of water and then you drop your meat's, that are vacuum sealed in these plastic bags with all the flavors and stuff. Is has it always been a water bath method, or I'm not even sure.
1: Well, um, t- today the um the, the the real great technique are these super smart ovens where you know you can inject steam, and you can have the same sort of technique without necessarily like because in big kitchens having a big tub of hot water laying around is a little dangerous, right? Mm-hmm. And and it's really heavy and that kind of stuff. So so now it's starting to morph from. Um, immersion circulators to combi ovens or alto shams or these other like really super smart ovens that can inject steam, so you kind of get that same moist temperature, so the so the, the 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 product in the bag doesn't know the difference, right? Um, but um, but you just do it in a way that doesn't take up a lot of floor space, right? But but at at home, you know, if you if you um if you really end a sous vide, and now there's lots of like really simple sticks you can buy, you can get them mm-hmm. on. On Amazon, Jewel makes a really nice one um, yeah. out of the, the Jewel from, uh, from Chef Steps up in Seattle. Fantastic group of guys up there. And, and if you want to kind of get into sous vide uh, at, at a trial level, just to kind of do one thing cool, I think poaching eggs with an immersion yeah. oh, circulated yeah. stick is, is the best, dude. It's the, the absolute <laughs> best. It's the best way to poach eggs.
0: It's a game changer. It's a game changer, man. It's a
1: game changer because you cook them in the shell – in the water right 68 degrees and uh, and i i think it's like a half an hour or so so obviously it's a little longer than if you just boil them in water but you're gonna get 100 percent utilization out of it right and you crack them open and then you, just, you crack it and you just drop it into like a little small tiny dish and then what you get is like a perfectly cooked soft yolk right <laughs> um perfectly formed white and then you take a spoon and gently put it on top of a piece of English muffins, fresh sliced avocado, and maybe a little chili sauce and tomatoes or whatever. And you've got a fantastic little smoked salmon, maybe, and you've got a fabulous, fabulous brunch that that is, is technical and fun. So if you want to jump into like the sous vide world, I always think that um, that uh, eggs are a great place to start.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now you know, Tyler. Also, you know, I know you're around. You're doing a lot of shows. You've experienced everything in the entire food industry but you know i'm kind of putting you on the spot here but when you talk about the food industry whether it's this evolution of cooking methods um maybe it's different between the industry and then consumers at home like how have you seen kind of tech evolve and how it's influenced the food industry and have there been any surprises to you
1: um you know the 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 tech world has been trying to figure out the smart kitchen for a while now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I've, I've started tech companies. I've consulted with a lot of tech companies. There's lots of, you know, tech, uh, kitchen tech conferences that I go to and I speak at every year. So we're kind of in the middle of this whole, you know, discussion on the smart kitchen of the future. Right. And, and so like to me, like the, the, I think the kitchen is going to get so incredibly smart that it's going to consolidate, right? So I think what's going to happen is is like big bulky refrigerators are going to go away. I think like gas stovetops are going to go away because induction is so great right now. Mm And, uh, and there's even like, this, new, um, this new material that uses the same technology basically as as charging your smartphone but on a mat standpoint that could technically – it's not ready yet, but conduct enough heat that you could, you could cut this into a mat that could be custom made for any particular surface anywhere. You could almost – you could roll it out in your car hood. And and put enough and 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 right now it doesn't get hot enough to like saute, but you can boil water, right? Um, so so I I think like the technology from a cooking aspect is really starting to get interesting. Ovens um, have never been more more innovative in a way right i mean it's not only do they have you know just sort of you know roast and bake but now they've got convection broil and and mm-hmm. and timing steam injection all that kind of stuff that's been really really interesting and and i i i think that the idea of like bulky you know like one box fits all like like a standing refrigerator for example right a standing refrigerator has become sort of <clears throat> obsolete when that technology is now available in drawers, right, that you could create like a new idea and new design around counter space, where you know your this drawer is for beverages and this drawer is for cheese and that drawer is for vegetables, whatever it is, instead of having this big huge refrigerator, and then you design your kitchen around that refrigerator, right? So I, I think from a design standpoint, I think that's getting kind of interesting. And then from like a di- from a dining standpoint, like cooking at home, you know, the, there was there was the the blue aprons, yep. you know, and and so I think that um that fad has, has kind of come and gone in a way. Um and then it, and it's still a fabulous product, right? Like I, I was a consultant with Sunbasket for a long time and, and I mean I, I think Sunbasket is best in category in that whole thing. And I, I think that um that um Catalyst has enlightened a lot of people that there's another way to shop for food other than going to a grocery store, which I think people just hate, right? I hate <laughs> going to the grocery store. I hate it. And then the idea of like, you know, there's smart people in the world. Like I do what I do for, let, let's say I'm not me. Let's just say I, I do what I do for a living and I'm an accountant, right? And I like good food. I go out to dinner a lot. You know, I, I've got a couple of dishes, but I don't really cook, cook. So if you could curate this stuff for me, right? Make me the sauce. Show me how to cook the chicken. You know, maybe, <clears throat> maybe the carbohydrate can pop in the microwave, right? So, I, you know, trying to figure out how to how to bridge that gap between, you know, I, I I think there's a there's a a whole market out there for a consumer product that is just north of a grocery store and just south of a restaurant, mm-hmm. right? So, if you can create a grocery store. With that You don't have to think about it three or four days in advance, and your food doesn't have to go on an airplane, right? Yeah. Because I think the Blue Apron model, when you start thinking about the packaging that kind of comes along with it yeah. and the fact that the, the company has to incorporate shipping costs, so they have to like – you can't get you know a nice portion of chicken because part of the money that you spent was in FedEx shipping – I think if you can do these things regionally and' they're, and they're small enough right that you don't necessarily have to have this you know one hundred and twenty thousand square foot main main location for like a you know big huge grocery store that you can have these things that are just delivery only right mm-hmm. and and so you can so it's got an on it's got a mobile aspect on it that if, if you're standing in line getting coffee and trying to figure out what you want to do for dinner tonight that you can hit a button for a dish right scale it up, scale it down if you have two people if you have six people if you're just by yourself. You can hit a button and then somewhere, somewhere, uh, somebody can <laughs> mise and place this stuff out in a way and then just ship it out to you. And then literally you have this prepped out meal that you can cook for yourself. So it feels like you're doing something, right? <laughs> um, but but, it, but, but it, and it's not takeout, right? So I, I, I think there's this thing. I think there's a new vision for like a blue grape and 2.0 out mm. there um, that I, I think if it could come together to me, I, I definitely think there's a, a better rethink for that market position
0: yeah you know and it's interesting when you talk about that because I've done the blue apron. what else was there okay. um what is it there's a I can't remember some of the other brands there's like a green there's a green one that I did for the longest time is, was it something fresh I can't remember but exactly um, among that's what I'm saying like amongst those I think there was this hot streak where people that are busy that don't have time but still want to cook we first subscribe to these and we get them but what ended up happening is we kind of we didn't have enough time to actually keep up with a all the stuff they were giving to us. Most of the time, the meals are pretty good, but at the same time, there's still a gap where you felt like this is getting there, but it wasn't exactly perfect. And so when you talk about this whole like kind of 2.0 evolution, I think we're there because we've stopped all of those kind of semi-prepped meal plan services and have gone to zero when maybe we were doing it for a stretch of three months. And then all of a sudden we're like, you know what, I this doesn't still meet what we're trying to do to fit into our lives yet. And so we just stopped them. I think they are great, but- like you said there needs to be an evolution that has to happen with it still.
1: Yeah, because because like to me like what people are really excited about is like oh my god there's a chef like prepping my food for me. Awesome, right? <laughs> like that's a great promise. That's an amazing promise. You could hit a button on a phone and that and that box shows up at my door. Oh fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then when you open the box this one sometimes like the the um, the 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 myth gets busted a little bit right because like you, you because well because like like everybody was just focusing on this like rock bottom price of, like 10 bucks a head and I, yeah. I think that's unrealistic i think 10 bucks a head is just i don't know who came up with that pricing strategy but it's just it's just it's too cheap right mm-hmm. and uh and then um the you know the portions like you, you would literally get like a portion and they would say it's all you know it's all portion control so you get like you know exact amount of calories and to me like dude i'm i'm hungry i haven't eaten all day I'm, like i don't want that i don't want a third of a chicken breast i mean i i, I want to eat bro like and so i i just, I just think there's something Something else out there that I I think could be, could just um, uh, answer that whole thing. And I so I think there's a lot of money to be made in that position still. You know, like right now there's 70 billion dollars a night just in America, 70 billion dollars a night every night with the one question of "Hey mom, what's for dinner?"
0: Damn, I didn't know that.
1: Hang like there's so much money in that one question. That I think if you can figure it out, right? I mean, and even when you go to a grocery store, grocery stores don't really know you, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, and my proof is they've got 250,000 SKUs, right? (laughs) Like if they knew you and because like the way people shop in Wisconsin is different the way they shop in San Francisco or Miami or Dallas or whatever, right? So if I walk in a store and you've got 250,000 SKUs, that says you don't know me as a customer. Right. So I'm assuming, and like with, and being overwhelmed by so many choices, I don't really know, I don't really know what goes together anyway. Like, how am I supposed to know that the salmon? And the seafood aisle and the broccoli and the produce aisle and the teriyaki sauce and the international aisle all go together. How am I supposed to know that, mm-hmm. right? But if, but if you can create a grocery store that's really about just curating those ideas, right, and putting those things closer together, have fewer better options, um, that, that speaks to customers regionally on kind of what they're into, then I, I, think, I think you could create a whole new business model that just knocks it out of the park.
0: Yeah, and you know, what? I think it's really cool that you talked about how you um, have consulted with a lot of companies, whether they're tech apps, tech products. Is there a thing that maybe you find that they they get wrong or right or, or maybe their their way of thinking when it comes to food and the way that they think about tech doesn't always align? Have you found kind of some of those disconnects? I know that's why you're there to bridge that gap, but maybe what have you seen that they might not be getting right?
1: Well, I, I, I think they um – from from what I've I've seen, right? Um, the the idea of let's really chase ten or fifteen different concepts, and then when you know, and then we'll and as these things start to either you know, uh, w- you know, w- w- wherever this road leads, mm-hmm. then then we'll jump on that, right? And so I I I think there's just a lot of like unfocused guessing out there, um, and and the smart kitchen space. With people trying to answer that question and kind of hopping on different different ideas really 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 quickly um, and and to not be able to kind of nail one or master one specifically like uber is is a model right like you hit a button, a car shows up boom right it's it's yeah I can describe it to you in ten words right and and with the smart kitchen thing, everyone's trying to figure out. You know, do we tackle it from an equipment standpoint? Do we tackle it from, you know, from a recipe curation standpoint? Do we tackle it from a raw goods standpoint? Like, do we – is it about the last mile? Is it about, you know, um, um, you know c- c- the consumer difference? Like, so uh, my, my thing is I've, I've seen a lot of companies – just trying to be, you know, the grocery retailer of the future and mm-hmm. try to be, you know, the, the, uh, uh, equipment innovator of the future. And they end up not doing anything particularly well or being able to make money on anything particularly well. So, like, like that's my only thing. Not saying there aren't some really good people trying to focus and, and get some good stuff out there. Cause I mean, I mean, because like you have n- I've seen so many crazy things out there. Like <laughs> you have no idea. I've, I've seen so many just like, you know, like white good items in a lab, <laughs> with a, with you know, like literally, like welded together, like an oven that would just fucking blow your mind. I'm um, not ready for prime time yet, but I mean, mm-hmm. I, I've seen some, I've seen some beta stuff that's just fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thanks again to HoneyBook for sponsoring the show. When you start your business, did you dream about all those fun admin tasks like drafting proposals and contracts and tracking down those lovely payments? Well, HoneyBook is an online business management tool that organizes your client communications, bookings, contracts, and invoices all in one place. Now, HoneyBook makes it simple to run your business better. There's professional templates, e-signatures, built-in automation keeps everything on track. They can even consolidate services you already use like QuickBooks, Google Suite, Excel, MailChimp, Gmail, all those. It's the number one choice for client and business management for freelancers and business owners, guess what, like myself. So I got to set up a HoneyBook account and I like the project's layout because it has this kind of flow that, for me at least, makes it easy to organize all these different steps when you make contact, you land a contact work on a deal, get the deal closed, because you just can't remember all this stuff by yourself while I'm doing all this content and handling my own billing. It can get honestly pretty crazy. So the flow is nice, it's straightforward, and I'm just looking forward to using it more and seeing how this is as a tool on the day-to-day. So right now, HoneyBook is offering our listeners 50% off when you visit honeybook.com slash AppleBits. That's AppleBits with the Z. One more time, it's honeybook.com slash AppleBits for 50 off your first year all right let's get back to the show now you know what i think a lot of people that might have been wondering oh why is tyler florence on your podcast is you're honestly a legit tech fan a tech enthusiast i mean you talked about how you'd watch my work before but what i found really interesting and kind of fascinating is just how you're on the road a lot you're bouncing around you're, you're you're everywhere and you did this series for a while now i don't know if it's coming back or not but you did your wolf it down series which was a combination of basically an audio podcast when you're on the road, but also you basically took kind of like this raw, really slick documentary style from your perspective, videos of everywhere you're going, restaurants you're going, chefs you were talking to. You there? Yeah, I'm still there. Hey, Brian. Still here. Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Okay, I'm here. Good, there you go. Okay, yep. I'm still there. I'll keep on going. Um, You had gone on the road and you showed off the cities you were at, the chefs you were talking to, the food that you were eating and making, and it was – from what I gather, it was all just done on your iPhone. Is that right?
1: Uh, no. Well, I mean, some of it was done on the iPhone, but, um, but that was, uh, we did, you know, it's a really interesting evolution, right? Yeah. So, and this is why I, I think this is why I totally believe in what you're doing right now, right? Mm-hmm. And with, you know, independent entrepreneurs in the content creation business, that is where the heat is right now. Like what you're doing right now. Is literally the most important work of your life, right? (laughs) And so when we we started this podcast called Wolf It Down, you know part of the when you name a new product, right? And we do this kind of stuff all the time. It's called naming the baby, right? And then it's just basically like, what are you going to name this product, or what are you going to name this cookbook, or the show? So we came up with Wolf It Down, and I, I thought Wolf It Down was just sort of a fabulous double entendre that meant food and short form digital content. Right. Like things just mm-hmm. want to wolf down. Right. Totally. So, so we came up with that and we did, you know, 19 podcasts, uh, and they, you know, got five stars on iTunes and, and really, really loved it. Like I thought I we did a great job producing this and then Twitter started to listen to them and then they, they reached out to me cause they're trying to get into the original content mm-hmm. business too, like YouTube. <clears throat> and they reached out to me and said, and said, Hey, could you do a video version of this? I'm like, fucking absolutely. I mean, because I've you know, <laughs> been on television for 23 years. I, I can make TV with my eyes closed. Mm-hmm. And uh, so so we said, okay, okay how do I want to do this? So we started costing it out. And then, and I was just thinking to myself, like, like, having, like, I want to tell a very incredible personal story about kind of what I do every day, right? Because I, I think when you're thinking about creating content, some people try too hard to produce it, mm-hmm. where if you just sort of... Celebrate these micro moments. If you if 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 what you want to cover and what you do every day are the same thing, right? Then I think you could figure out how to shoot the stuff yourself. So so I, um so we started shooting. I mean, I shot a little bit of my iPhone, but I I got a uh, um, uh, uh, Lumix GX5. Mm-hmm. I started shooting, you know, this great 4K stuff there, and I and I started editing everything myself on Final yeah, Cut. Baby. yeah. And then so so and I, I got a nice rhythm with the stuff. So I was I was making a video a week and i did that for i think i did like 15 episodes of that so it was like so it was majority of the year and that was 2018 and then and then um you know we we started to evolve into this like kind of great production company right so at the same time the 2000, um, the the 2017 wildfires broke out right up in Napa. This kind of interesting transition. The segue will make sense in a second, right? Yeah. So the 2017 wildfires happened, and they broke out. And then uh, I've been working with the state of California for I don't know three or four years, shooting those really cool Visit California commercials. <laughs> so they reached out to me and they said, "Hey, do you want to? You know, we should do something that that sort of takes the." the bad news away from CNN, you know, because the, the only thing the world was seeing was California was on fire and flip it back around a real positive message and like, Hey, can we work on a big project together? So that ended up becoming a movie that we made, yep. um, uh, called, um, called uncrushable. Um, and, and we've been in seven film festivals this year. As a matter of fact, I've got one coming up, the downtown LA film festivals in two weeks. And, uh, and so, so we started to, um, move really quickly to this next evolution of ideas of not just producing this vlog basically uh, but producing content right mm-hmm. like re- like so that was just an idea and to me just something that was really kind of fun for me to do and almost sharpening my storytelling skills yeah but but the capabilities of what we could do obviously are much much bigger so we made a movie and and then um and then, then we so our production company is called Monarch Collective, and we do and, and we literally went from making a podcast <laughs> to having a a production company in four years, right? That's amazing. So started this podcast, and the podcast turned into a video version of the podcast, which turned into a production company, which turned into a movie, and now we make movies, we make television, and we also do a lot of short form digital advertising campaigns for a lot of companies. So so this is where 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 we were shooting and creating Wolf it down, like that was just the seed. And when the seed started to sprout, it 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 started to take off like wildfire. And so that that's what I'm like, so if you're in the I think the most important thing anybody could be doing right now in the media tech business is creating original content. Mm-hmm. Period. Right. Because it's so easy to do, just like you and I are doing this right now. I'm on my cell phone, right? <laughs> it's so easy to do and it's so easy to edit and it's so easy, easy to produce that you could literally be as big as Joe Rogan in a year if you really crank it out right and 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 that's what i like about it so so that interesting thing about you know long story short cuz i know i've been rambling for a while here but um but wolf it down was the seed that turned into monarch collective which is our production company Which now we're, dude, I'm not, we're going to build $2 million this year just making original content, right? Amazing. So, so that's what I'm saying. So that, and that has nothing to do with television or cookbooks or restaurants or anything. This was a side hustle. (laughs) Yeah. Right. That, that I just said, like, we're doing this, we're doing this, we're doing this. And then you say it in a really kind of creative way enough around everybody that everybody goes, starts to go, okay, we're doing it. Right. Yeah. And then it just kind of turns into reality.
0: Yep. That, I mean, that's, honestly, that's an awesome story. And again, you're doing like all these other shows and traveling while this is all happening. I mean, I can't understand like, how, how do you for you? I mean, has that hustle mentality kind of been a part of your DNA? I mean, working in kitchens, working in the culinary, you know, field, I that is part of the life, like, you know, understanding the hustle, the work that builds to the next step. Has that kind of been in your DNA? Or did, was that something that you had to develop over time as well?
1: Well, I mean, um let's see here. Uh, so, like, I, I was a product of divorced parents, right? Mm-hmm. And then so, um, you know, both my parents worked, you know, until 6, 7 o'clock at night. So, like, the idea of being alone and the idea of, like, you know, having if, – if you want to figure out that stove-refrigerator relationship, right – If you want to cook something, right? You got to do it, right? No, there's literally no one there for you. Like I learned how to iron my own clothes as a kid. I learned how to do my own laundry. Like, like being self-sufficient. I always think sometimes, like, like you, you have to, you have to let, you, you, you have to have that really strong backbone to be able to keep up with the pressure. If you want to be Mm self-employed, right. If you want to control your own destiny, if you want to have your own business, if you want to tell your own story, like you have to have this like level of, of, of strength that sometimes, uh, uh, like, I don't know where I get it myself. Right. Mm -hmm. But I always feel like I'm being chased by a tiger and I kind of like it. Right. (laughs) And, and so, so to me like that, that feeling of, uh, of, I don't know what's coming tomorrow because I'm self employed. And again, I, I, it'll, I, trust me, I know what's coming tomorrow. But, but the idea that, that I know if, if I stop, right? Yeah. Then this whole machine will slow down. I mean, I've got, I have hundreds of employees, right? Mm-hmm. So if I stop, the world stops, right? So, um, to me, like, I love being up against the wall. I love having to, you know, being contractually obligated to be creative. Mm-hmm. Um, I love what we create. I, I love the fact that every every year we're sharper and better. And I I just think it's uh like if if you're in the you're in the c- content creation business right now, you're in the driver's seat, right? Absolutely. There's no doubt about it because c- content is king, and content is is, is starting to become <clears throat> not a necessarily an artistic form held by the few, but a commodity that anybody can jump in. Totally. Right? So now if you're really, really great and you're consistent with it, so you have a great product and, and you start cranking it out almost like it's sport, right? So you're, you're doing a video a day. You're doing two videos a week, whatever that is, and you're, you're being really consistent with it. Like you can create your own, your own business and your own world in a very, very short period of time. Um, it's very, very exciting. And so, so the, to answer your question, as far as like like where where this comes from, I, you know, I I I feel like I um, it's like the most important gift you could ever give your children is backbone. Mm. And sometimes that means not giving them everything they want, and then making them work for it themselves.
0: Yeah. Absolutely, that you know. Thanks for sharing that story. I, I think that you know, even just kind of calling back to your childhood and then kind of tying it into there, it it gives kind of perspective of what your time out. So I appreciate you, you know, kind of taking us back. And no, you're not rambling on, Tyler. Okay, <laughs> I think <laughs> you're, you're not you're not rambling. Here's here's a topic that I want to talk about. Um, and this may be more science than tech, but it doesn't matter. I think you have a great opinion on it either way. You know, in the food world we're gonna talk about Beyond Meat and Impossible Burger. What are your thoughts on that kind of new revolution of you know, sustainable food and how they are to work with? I'm sure you've played around with them, but what are your just thoughts overall on this whole like Beyond Meat, Impossible Burger thing?
1: Um, you know, I, I really, from the bottom of my heart, and I, and I never- I love it. Know, dis- I never dismiss anybody <laughs> that's got a successful product, and I wish them all the success in the world. <laughs> I think it's a, it's a fad and it's gonna go away in a year. It's I, I'm not kidding. I really in my bottom of my heart, I think it's this year's kale. <laughs> like so, so no 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 kidding. And I'm gonna and and this is gonna sound crazy and I don't mean this. I'm just I'm just I'm plucking you know stories out of the headlines right now, totally. right? So so e-cigarettes, right? Jewel, right? Mm-hmm. So everybody was saying that you know you should definitely quit smoking. But if you but if you're in the bridge in between this and that this vape thing, right, is is a good alternative because it's just it's just vaporized, you know, um, um, you know nicotine Mist tar, whatever, yeah, exactly. tar whatever, whatever the hell that stuff is, yeah. right? So <clears throat> now it's like this hamburger thing, and nobody really knows what it is specifically, mm-hmm. right? Like because a lot of the stuff is just sort of a proprietary concoction of like vegetable-based meat that bleeds. I just don't know if, if if like if we were so hung up on genetically modified foods and you know f- foods that aren't close to the, you know su- sustainability and that kind of thing, I just can't imagine something that's more genetically modified mm. or something that you know that is really, really hard and difficult to explain more than the impossible burger i and, and maybe I just don't get it like like <clears throat> you know what chicken tastes like right? Oh yeah. You know what duck tastes like? Absolutely. You know what pork tastes like? Yes, I do. You know what beef tastes
0: like? Definitely know what that tastes like.
1: So an Impossible Burger tastes like an animal I've never had before. Mm. And it's just a little weird, right? It's just a little weird. I wish them all the luck and success in the world. I've tried it a dozen times. I can't say I like it. And, and I really feel that it's just going to be a, a fad that will be – Really interesting now and not so interesting
0: in the year. Yeah, you know, I, th- I think I love hearing a perspective from someone like you that is all around this also on that because, you know, I think of it and when I hear about it, everyone's talking about it. But I, I and to your point, people say like, oh, yeah, it's, it's pretty good and they can't really put their finger on it. Yet, but there are no matter what, you know, we can always get all hyped up about the latest trend. But things have things take time to kind of figure themselves out. And we don't know necessarily what those repercussions are and maybe it'll be around in four years maybe it won't it'll be done in a year but it's still way too soon to tell just like many new things
1: right right and and i i just think that you know they would probably be like one bad press release away like if something happens to it away from the whole industry just sort of caving in on itself it just just doesn't seem like i don't know man like it just it just seems a little a little odd to me i don't know
0: Okay, we're going to jump over to a couple more topics before we let you go because, again, thank you so much for hanging, Tyler. Uh, what about – you saw the new iPhone or I, I'm sure you've seen a little bit enough about the new iPhones. What, do, you have, do you have any thoughts about it or not really? It's okay if you don't.
1: <laughs> no, I, here's the deal. I, I love the new iPhone 11. I haven't gotten it yet because I just haven't had time. But I did get – I got the new watch. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm loving the five, the 5 Series watch. I really, really liked it a lot. And I think that's the most exciting new product that Apple's come out with in a long time.
0: You are right on the same boat as me. That's I. Li- it is their most exciting product right now.
1: It really is because to me, like I think eventually, because the phones can't. They're they're so similar now that between you know the new Samsung phones, like those are just spectacular mm-hmm. if you're in the Android world, and the new iPhone, and then <clears throat> every everything else, the dozen or so phones that are just like literally state of the art. They all kind of do the same thing. So the specs are so. <sighs> Thin margins mm-hmm. between who has a better camera and who's got a better OLED display and who's got better memory or a sharper processor or, or whatever it is or the or some or facial recognition or some sort some sort of like thing that's like a slightly better the I, the Apple Watch is in, the, in a category all
0: by itself. Totally, totally. <clears throat> what did you go from? Did you have an earlier Apple Watch? Like which series do you did you go from? Or is this your first one? I've had every one of them. Oh, so you went four to five. You're like, you know what? It's the latest Apple Watch. I'm so on board. I'm getting this bad boy. Yeah. Like literally
1: I watched the entire presentation from Tim Cook. I watched the whole thing and and I was looking at the iPhone 11 going, all right. Um, But then I started talking about the the new Apple 5 watch and that was what I was just really, really excited about. Like to me, like I think that is just something that really feels like a tech companion and it's not even really a watch. It's just a smaller phone screen. That I feel like I'm, I'm so into that. Like my son and I, no joke, um, cause I got him a five two. We were walkie talking with each other. <laughs> if, you, if you know what that app yep. is on, yep. on the, on the, on the Apple Watch and, and, uh, and, and that is not even, that's not supported by the not, not connected through your phone and not necessarily supported by um by the the sim card c- capabilities it is sort of an independent little <clears throat> little thing there and i just think it's so wild so so to me like i think that's what i'm really excited about and i i think there's there's a huge opportunity for that just to become better cooler more interesting
0: yeah the apple watch specifically there it's one of those devices too where sometimes you have these moments where it i kind of like say it like it charms you like so yeah you're using the walkie talkie like dude I'm doing this thing for my wrist, or maybe someone who might use it to unlock their door when they walk in proximity. They're like, that's because I have this Apple watch. You know, even for me, something as simple as I can go work out, I can go running. I, I, and I have basically, I I leave my phone at home and I have everything I need on my wrist whenever I want, whether it's messaging or calls or whatever. And that's, you know, where we sometimes take for granted, but that is just crazy that we can do all this stuff on our wrists now.
1: Yeah and and so the idea of like you know being able to work as fast as you think right like i really love my my iphone and i've got 10s 10x 10sx max right <laughs> yeah 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 and and I, whatever that even if i got <laughs> thanks that right, apple I yeah i don't i don't think i did um but but to me like like um i love it and then um and where my my cell phone has kind of become my new entertainment center where if I travel or even if I'm at home, I, I'll watch a movie, I'll watch YouTube videos, I'll watch the news, I'll just watch it on my phone. And, and my, so, so the phone is kind of like turned into this thing where it's like this new media center and my, my Apple watch is turned into my new phone because I can literally same thing as you, I can leave the phone here if I want to and go to the gym and plug it in with my headphones and then, and then take phone calls and, and, and be connected in, in a way that's not distracting mm-hmm. me. Right. So I can work and I, so if, if I have to, you know, send a text or I can do it via voice, and it's just so much more convenient than having to pull this big, huge brick out of your pocket. And as soon as you open it up, I'm like, you know, okay, okay, you make a phone call, then you check your mail, then you check Twitter, and then you check iPhone, your, your, uh, your Instagram. And then and then you realize you've, like, stared at your screen for the last 18 minutes, right? <laughs> that times five times a day, and all of a sudden, like, God, I just lost two hours. We're, uh, so any, anyway, there's something about that. I, I think, you know, the the sm- smaller is better when it comes to a communication device because the technology is just so – so, so spectacular now where I, I, I think the bigger devices are starting and, and people are starting to realize that they're kind of a time suck, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like if you, if your time is money and your time is precious, like staring at your phone for 45 minutes or sometimes, sometimes five hours a day, people spend a lot of time on the phone. Like you, you realize that there's a, there's a more productive <laughs> life out there <laughs> if you can just put your phone down.
0: Well, I think that's what's interesting about this whole hustle economy world. Like, you know, obviously in your business, in my business, we have peers that we respect that do great work as well, but I don't have time and I don't make time to watch their stuff, A, because I want to have my own original message and I don't want to be influenced by them, but B, I don't have time to watch their stuff because I'm doing my own thing. And I think it's interesting where if you're someone, they're, you know, getting away and kind of escaping from things on your phone is fine, but there's a point where it actually takes away from your productivity as, if you're kind of in that hustle economy.
1: Without a doubt. I mean, like, like everybody, do yourself a favor. I, I turn it off just because I, I, I guess I don't need the guilt. But just <laughs> monitor how much time you stare at your screen, right? And go, God, if I had another, because everybody wishes they had more time in the mm-hmm. day, and you actually do. <laughs> You just not really be using it wisely because, you know, the, like the idea of like getting distracted into, it's like, it's like the idea, it's a separation between entertainment and wonder, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, so if you just quiet your mind and listen to what you want to do and what you want to work on and let that drive your momentum versus constantly having to be entertained by what other people are working on, it's the difference between being a producer and a consumer. Right. Yeah. And so, so like we're producers, we produce stuff. Like I don't, I, and, and, and I produce way more things than I consume. Cause I just like to make things. And, uh, and to me, like, I, I think, you know, like having a new phone that's on your wrist that technically does everything, but have this like shiny, you know, rabbit hole of video content that I can just sort of <laughs> flop into, and not you know, and not realize that I just lost another f- precious forty five minutes of my day. Like you, you'll be surprised with how much more stuff you can actually accomplish. You can make your dreams come true with the simple idea of just putting your phone down.
0: Love it. All right, um, Tyler, before we go, uh, I know you're a food guy. Are there any places? I'm gonna say, any recent restaurants, whether they're in, let's say, the Bay Area or Los Angeles. If you said, hey, you guys should go check out this restaurant or this place that you recently went to, it could be New York, Chicago, because there's people listening from everywhere. Is there is there one or two restaurants right now at the top of mind that kind of stick out for you?
1: Yeah. Um, in New York City, um, past East, in the, the meatpacking district, it's back um, bigger and better than ever. Um, so <clears throat> um, Stephen Starr uh, just joined Keith McNally. So it's Starr McNally this is a new restaurant group. And uh, pasties. If you were a big fan of the restaurant in the Meatpacking District, it's just right around the corner. Because um, I, I think either Sephora or Samsung—I can't remember who—whatever took over that particular <laughs> space where the restaurant was. <clears throat> but it's back, and it's even more fabulous than it ever was. Love that. I've been there a couple times already. That's in New York City. In um, in um, L.A., um, I just went to Animal again the other night. Oh yeah. Which is, you know, Johnny and Benny—they're such great guys. Um, and also, Odium in downtown Los Angeles. Tim, uh, um, um, th- like that is just such a spectacular restaurant. Um, really, really love the vibes. It's right around the corner from the uh, the Disney Theater. Um, that's an amazing restaurant, Odium. And then here in San Francisco, um, other than Wafer Tavern, of
0: course. Oh well, Wafer Tavern's already on the list. Let's be real, right? Come of on. Of course, I, I just went to Angler uh, the other night, oh. which is
1: which is Joshua Skeen's uh, new restaurant, and he you know he has. Um, so Saison here in San Francisco and is one of our, you know, one of our Valhalla Michelin three star restaurants we have here. <laughs> very celebrated, fabulous, fabulous, very expensive, fabulous restaurant. Um, and uh, so he just opened up a, a quote unquote, um, air quotes, casual restaurant called Angler. Uh, but it is anything but that. It is just off the chart good. Um, spectacular seafood. Really, really great concept. Love that.
0: Awesome. Well, Tyler, you know what? I gotta say, thank you again so much for just taking the time and hanging out. Um, really, really grateful for it. And you know, everyone continue to watch all the content. Follow t- Tyler is your Twitter just at Tyler Florence.
1: Yep, at Tyler Florence on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. And, uh, you know, we have, we have so much great, cool stuff coming out and, you know, not only at the end of this year, first part of next, uh, we're just excited, but you know, got to keep that hustle going like everything else.
0: Yeah. got to keep the hustle. And you know, this is, we did this podcast because we've been trying to really kind of get to the point where we could do a video, but you know what? I'm like, Hey, let's just get the, let's get a podcast on the record so we can vibe. And then, you know, we'll, we'll figure out the rest of it down the road. But, oh man, thank you so much, Tyler. That was just awesome to talk to you and sh- talk shopping. I love how you're, passion for not only food but also tech just totally came through today
1: thank you so much man i'm a huge fan of what you're working on uh, best luck with everything and then let, let's definitely do a video soon
0: okay all right sounds good all right thanks tyler my pleasure brian thanks so much man wow i mean come on how awesome was that tyler florence i've got so much love and respect for him. i've been watching him geez since i was a kid and it's really great to get perspective from people that are not only from a different world, but also love tech. And he absolutely brought that to the table. I just wanted to, you know, I love bringing in guests, especially someone like a superstar rock star like him, because he just adds so much. It's a new perspective. And it's also kind of a break from just all the news. And don't worry, I will be dropping a show early next week to kind of catch you up on some of the news. But I just thought that this was something that was pretty awesome and different and wanted to bring it to you. So thank you again so much to Tyler for taking the time to be on the show. Also, Hey, thanks so much to our Patreon supporters at the $100 Platinum Apple level that makes this happen. Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley freighter Jarrett Lewis, and Calvin Fatakar. Thank you for your contributions. And also thank you to all of you who contribute to in so many ways at so many different levels. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you do it, starting at $2 per month. And man, that was a fun ride. So everyone, we will be back with all the good stuff, the bad stuff, you know you love it. It's the Apple Bits XL, baby. Take care and be safe. Peace. Psst. Hey, if you're still listening, this is like that extra bonus piece that I told you I put in the show. It's like our secret show, it's like a secret part of the show. Alright. I'll I'll stop whispering. Hey, here's Tyler when he was just going in and just talking about his world famous ridiculous, ridiculous. I've never had anything still that matches it to this day. Wayfair Tavern fried chicken. You can get it when you visit San Francisco. All right. Here's here's him just literally going off. It's awesome. That fried chicken, what is the secret sauce in that thing, man?
1: Well, uh, the, the, you know, the fried chicken—it was—it was kind of a funny addition to the menu. So, um, Wafer Tavern is—it's uh, going to turn ten in June, and uh, you know, got, you know, not every restaurant works out, right? I, now I, I've opened a bunch of restaurants. Of, uh, you know, unfortunately, I've closed a few, so I know what that feels like too, and it's not, that's not fun. But I think when you nail it, right, the right time, right place, right concept, right block. Um, right partnership, right, right deal structure for the lease. Like we can nail everything, and then you can just create and and have this hospitality, open armed hospitality for a bunch of people for as long as we have. It just feels so good. Yeah. So when we um, when we um, when we started in 2010, um, we, we wrote the menu out, and uh, I I you know, put together a couple of drafts, and then my wife Tolan had suggested. The, my fried chicken recipe, which is which is just, you know, um, in, inside of our circles and you know with friends and and whatever, and it's always been really popular because I grew up in the South, so fried chicken, you know, and, and fried chicken and barbecue and ambrosia and you know like like uh you know like smothered pork chops, like collard greens, like those things were in my baby bottle growing up, so it's something that I've always kind of carried around with me. Like southern cooking is about things that are just brown and good. And uh, so my fried chicken has always been something that was really special. And, and so she said, "You should put fried chicken on the menu," <laughs> and 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 she said, "You know, just like Joe Stone Crab in in South Beach, Miami, right?" And and that started thinking the whole thing together. And so so the Joe Stone Crab was definitely on her. our our mood board of kind of the vibe of what we want to create there, like old Mm -hmm. joint. Right. And so, so I started thinking about it and, and we definitely want to create like an American restaurant, like the definition of a great American restaurant. Right. And, um, I think a lot of chefs, um, have a tendency to not own their own, uh, Culture in a way, and so they they end up trying to hide behind the Japanese flag or the Spanish flag or the Italian flag or, or or whatever it is, just to say, okay, this is what I cook versus Mm -hmm. kind of going, this is the food that I grew up with. And luckily enough, I grew up in a in an area part of the country that has a very distinctive, really really good food culture. Anyway, so so I said, like, fuck it, let's just do it. Like, so (laughs) put the fried put the fried chicken on the menu, but we I didn't want to. I did not want to knock off my own culture, but just doing like Southern fried chicken. So we, 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 we decided, and sort of a deep thought, we decided that we're going to break off a new evolutionary branch of fried chicken, right? Mm-hmm. We'd said, okay, okay, we're going to make something new and distinctively different. We're going to make what we're calling California fried chicken, right? So, so it's like it's fried with this like herbaceous quality to it because it's, uh, it's, it's uh, thyme, uh, rosemary, and sage. Um, and then, and then the the, the technical aspect because there's really it's kind of cooked twice, right? So the the it's it's um the chickens are butchered, right? And mm-hmm. we, we go through about a got about 150 orders a day. You don't mind if we get really geeky? No, on no, the no. Game. This is what we okay. wanted. This
0: is what because this is all going to come together. Just keep on going, Tyler. Trust me. Dope.
1: Okay, great. So this, I'm going to get geeky with you. So so the, <laughs> so, the, so, the, so the chickens get butchered. Every night for the next day, so it's a two-day process, right? So the chickens get butchered and then they, they get bagged in like in a like like uh, um, plastic bag, BPA-free plastic bag. So all the breasts go together, the legs go together, the thighs go together, yada yada, right? And uh, and then they, they get they get tossed in uh, comfi garlic oil uh, <laughs> and uh, and fresh herbs. And so it's uh, again, it's a, a thyme, rosemary, and sage. And then they get cryovac'd, and then they get they get sous vide an immersion circulator, or oh, that's how we used to do. It. Now it happens in a combi oven. Um, but um, but the 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 uh, um. The breasts come out first because uh, you cook the fastest, and then the, the thighs take the longest, right? And then they get cooled back down again, and then they get cut open the next day, and then uh, and then they get uh, tossed in a bath of organic buttermilk and hot sauce, right? And then and then it, then it starts Jeez. to shift gears. Then it starts to shift cares back to my back to my grandmother, right? And the reason the reason that, that we sous vide the chicken first, but it's it's um. It, it, it's kind of what we what we call a master recipe, right? It's one of the mm-hmm. best things we've ever ever made from a success standpoint. Right? So, so the texture of the fried chicken, um, because it goes up to the line fully cooked, right? It's fully sous vide, it's fully cooked, it's cold, but it's fully cooked. And and so I've, I've had like fried chicken on different restaurant menus over the years, and and going from raw to cook on the line is a disaster. Um, because of the ticket times, right? Mm-hmm. So if you get, you know, you get 17, 18, 20 orders of fried chicken deep and you're going raw to fried in a fryer, if you gave me a four baskets, right? Like you're going to get backlog, and that fried chicken is going to take upwards of like a half an hour to come out. <laughs> yeah. So, so now because, because the chicken is fully cooked, we can, and, and so it gets cooked once. So it's fully seasoned, fully cooked, but it has, and it has the texture of a cupcake, right? I mean, it's just soft and succulent. Oh. And when and when you when you cryovac things and you CV them, um, the the you you don't lose any of the fat. The fat stays in place because you're cooking at a really low temperature, almost like barbecue, right, or like brisket, right? Yeah. The fat doesn't go anywhere, so the fat stays in place, and then all the natural moisture inside the chicken doesn't go anywhere either. So you've got like a, a, a plump, juicy, delicious, fully cooked. Uh, fantastic chicken so that's the first part the second part that kind of get, goes back to my grandmother right so it's like it's um uh sort of like i've mocked it up a little <laughs> bit. Like, so so it's it's like it's uh it's two thirds all-purpose flour and then one-third rice flour so it makes up a whole and then and then you can scale that up or scale that down so it's two-thirds all-purpose flour one-third rice flour and and the rice flour um keeps the crunch at a high level so it gets crispy and it stays there and then it's, it's seasoned with onion powder, garlic powder, uh, kosher salt, and then coarse black pepper. And then, and then so the uh, and then the hot sauce. And there's a little sugar in the hot sauce too, right? Because remember we got the the chicken marinated in hot sauce and buttermilk. Still and drooling then, then, right? Like, I'm
0: drooling right now, man. Just keep oh, going. Oh, it's good. It's
1: good. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you can map this out, you can make the whole thing because it's pretty easy. <laughs> um, but it, it's a two-day process. But once you get in the rhythm of it, it's pretty easy. So then, then uh, the chicken goes to the flour. It gets coated really, really, really well. And because like coating fried chicken is part of the secret of that, right? You have to like, mm-hmm. you got to pack the crust on. So you actually get something to get your teeth into because that crunchy thing is part of the fun. And then it gets fried. And, and, and then, so the cool thing about the design of that particular dish where fried chicken before and other, you know, going from raw to cook on the line could take up to like 12 to 15 minutes for work. This hits the plate in six or seven, right? So, so, so you, we've engineered the success of this particular dish yeah, you know, so we crank it out and you know um, um, try to knock it out of the park, you know batting a thousand every single day, and which is really hard to do. It's hard to kind of come up with a successful dish like that. And I always challenge, like our chefs and our sous chefs, when they want to be creative. I'm like, I like listen, like I this farm to table thing. I like it. Don't get me wrong. It's healthy. It's fresh. It's fun. It's hard to describe. Right. Mm -hmm. It's hard to kind of get your brain around what is farm to table from a dish standpoint. It's easy to describe Italian food. Right. (laughs) It's easy to describe Japanese food. When you go farm to table, it's like, I don't kind of know what you're talking about until you make a thing like fried chicken. Right. So this is where when you start writing menus and you start creating restaurants and dishes that are popular, not just good, but popular. Right. You got to give them something from a from a structural standpoint for people to get their brain around. Right, mm-hmm. like this is fried chicken. Everybody likes fried chicken, but then your goal as a chef, is, is is to create not just a good plate of fried chicken, but best in category, best in class, right? And and so so we've done that with our fried chicken thing, and and literally, you know we there you know there's and there's others very successful dishes on the menu. The devil eggs you mentioned, steak tartare is smashed it, the burgers a smash it. And uh, and our oysters are really really great, but then but then from a uh, like if you start digging our POS point of sale system, like the sales start drifting off pretty substantially past that because everybody just loves 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 a fried chicken mm-hmm. and everything else. Like we ha- we have an amazing chef, we have fantastic fabulous food, and it's definitely kind of like California farm to table taverny kind of stuff. But then but you can't out fried chicken fried chicken, you know you just can't. <laughs> You can't, you just can't do it, right? So, so it's just been kind of one of those fabulous dishes. I'm really, really proud of it. It was kind of like a, you know, we, look, look. Let's just put it on the menu and see how it goes. And then, you know, it's a fourth of our product mix. I mean, literally a fourth of everything mm-hmm. we sell at the restaurants, fried chicken. And and I'm
0: just super proud of it. And he should be. Thanks again, so much, Tyler. You're a beast. All right, everybody, we'll talk to you soon.